So happy that all of you are here. We also wanna say just a warm welcome to everybody joining us on Facebook Live. We're glad you're here. Hopefully you're home nice and warm, bundled up next to a fire. But for the rest of us who made the trek, uh, we're ready to go, are we not? Yeah. All right, so here we go. Here's a, uh, how I wanna start. I just wanna ask you one question. Question goes like this. What fills you with wonder? What fills you with wonder? Something I do uh, a lot of times on Saturday nights before I preach on Sunday is I go for a drive and I try to find like an empty field somewhere far away from civilization, homes, cars passing by, whatever. Uh, because one of the, the things that I just marvel at and I wonder about uh, is the stars. I just love to look up and look into the sky. And maybe you're like me, maybe you have a fascination with just like space and stars and planets. But this is something I've learned just about me and my eyesight. But like when I look at stars in like the dark of night, uh, the more my eyes focus and the more my eyes adjust, the more I can actually see. And it's just like, wow, I, I did, were there this many the whole time? And it's just, they adjust and you just see more and more and more. And uh, last Saturday, I'll probably look super weird to anybody driving by because I parked on the side of the road, right? Not a field, just on the side of the road and stuck my head out, rolled my window down, stuck my head out and turned it up. And I just stared at the sky. No lights on, truck was off. So like if someone drove by, they're like, is he breathing? Is that, it looks like a drive-by. So that's what I do. I love to look, I love to marvel, but here's why, because outer space, something you may not know this, do you know that just in our galaxy alone, there are between 200 and 400 billion stars. How often do you hear of a 200 billion margin of error? They're like, we don't really know, it's somewhere between 200 and 400 billion. Does that not strike you? I mean, to me, it's like the only other profession that has that margin of error is like the weather. So this is what's crazy too. The other thing about outer space, this is nuts. As vast and as great as it is, it's totally silent. Wow. It just makes me marvel, right? Just in awe, just in wonder. But maybe, maybe you marvel in awe of like other things. So like, here's an example, the human brain. Human brain is one of the most fascinating organs in the body. It is capable of so much. So everything around us has been capable and developed because of the brain. But do you know that there are 100,000 miles of blood vessels in the brain alone? How does it fit? Think about it. 100,000 in this area. That's insane. Here's the other thing. There's a hundred billion neurons in each brain. Wow. It just makes me marvel. Uh, here's another one. Maybe some of you like music. You, you're just in awe of like things like an orchestra. thought that was going to go over a little more loudly. thought you were going to be engaged. Thank you. Come on, anybody. All right. Because I'm over here just ready to whip out a sword and just start. But hey, this is me. Uh, here's what's crazy about music. All right. I'm actually really disappointed in your response. First service was okay. And I was like, second service will deliver. You drop the ball. So thank you for that. Spent hours looking for the song that apparently wasn't perfect or worth it. So appreciate all of you so much. Here's what's crazy about music. Do you know this? Music is actually one of the only things in our world that activates every area of your brain at the same time, except for the people in this room. <laughs> Who knew? 
It's kind of crazy. It activates the emotional, the creative, and the motor areas of our brain, unlike so many other things in the world. It's amazing. It just makes me take a step back and go, wow. It's incredible. What fills you with wonder? Let me ask it maybe a little bit differently. Do you ever wonder about God? Are you ever just filled with so much awe, wonder, appreciation, just of the magnitude of who he is, of the complexity, the creator of the universe, something as big and vast as space, the creator of the human brain, which is capable of so much in such a small sphere, who's capable of creating things like music, love, relationships. Do you ever just wonder and marvel at the person of God. Here's what I wanna ask of you today. Uh, we're starting off a brand new series. If you're joining us for the first time, perfect. This is a perfect time to join because it's a series called Wonder and it's about worship. But here's what I wanna challenge to you, whether you're in the room or whether you're listening online, is to get in touch with your childhood sense of wonder. So often we lose that as we get older and as we spend more time just in life and maybe the real world. But I want, just for the purposes of the message today, I wanna take you back to that childhood sense of awe and wonder. So if you have a Bible, open it up. Uh, we're gonna be in Luke chapter two. And to give you some context, Luke sets us up so that we understand and know what's going on in the passage that we're studying today. So Luke one and Luke two, uh, God announces the birth of Jesus. He starts with Mary and he visits Mary and he says, Mary, I know you're a virgin, but you are, you are pregnant with a son that you are going to have a son and he is the hope of the world. He will be the Messiah. Can you just imagine for a second Mary's response when she feels a child in her womb kick for the first time? Wow. That can't be faked, right? I mean, it's just like, he's here. Unbelievable. God then reveals through an angel to Zechariah and Elizabeth. So these are Mary and Joseph's relatives. God reveals to them, hey, I know you've been barren. I know you've struggled to have kids. I know you've been infertile. You, you have no kids, but I wanna tell you, I'm giving you a child. His name is to be John and he will pave the way for the Messiah. And they go, but we've tried for decades. It's impossible. There's no way it could happen for, uh, for us, especially. There's no way. And yet when they're pregnant, and Elizabeth, same thing, when she feels the child, can you imagine the parents after decades of pleading with God for a child to feel the child? You'd just be in awe. And then another one, it's a bunch of shepherds they're on the middle of a field. They're just doing their job. It's just like any ordinary day. They're, they're taking care of the sheep. They're moving them. All right, we're gonna settle down here for the night. Let's get them taken care of, make sure they're fed, etc. You're just hanging out with a bunch of sheep and a bunch of buddies. And all of a sudden it says in the sky, a heavenly host appeared of angels. I don't know if there were hundreds. I don't know if there were thousands. I don't know if there were hundreds of that. It just says, boom, heavenly host of angels. And they're all singing, ah! And then imagine you're the shepherd in the middle of the field. What is in this thing? And being blown away by the heavenly angels who are proclaiming today in the town of Bethlehem, a savior has been born. Wow. Just imagine 
for a second what that would be like. It sets us up for our story today. And here's the piece that I wanna make sure we hear and notice whether it's Mary or Zechariah and Elizabeth or the shepherds in the field. When these people experienced the awe and the wonder of God, every single time they were moved to worship. Mary has a song. God told her, and she's just so overwhelmed. God revealed himself to me, and I'm, I'm gonna carry the Messiah. And so she sings. Zechariah, the same way, he's the dad. He goes, you've given us a child. He's so moved, and he sings. And then the angels in the field, they're so overjoyed and excited about the Savior being born, they sing. So it's gonna take us to where we're at right now. It's a man named Simeon. And Luke is gonna introduce us to Simeon. Luke 2, starting in verse 22, it says this, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord. That's important. Every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. This is so important and there's so much context in here, but what Luke is trying to convey to all of us is this, Mary and Joseph are obedient. That they do what is not just required by the Jewish law, the law of the Lord, but they're also doing what's required by Roman law. They're moving, they're, they're taking their family, they're going to the temple because they have to make sacrifices. You would make a burnt offering and a sin offering, but there was a purification rite that was required for Mary because she had given birth. And so part of the purification is, is anytime there would be blood involved in this era of history, in their relationship with God, you would need to go through a ceremonial process to then become made clean. So Mary and Joseph being obedient, doing what is required of them, go to the temple. They show up. Can you hear me? Just wanna make sure you're with me. They show up to the temple ready to make the sacrifices that were required of them. And they were poor. When it says a pair of doves or two young pigeons, the normal sacrifice that a family would make would be a lamb. Sheep were expensive. So here's what it says in the law of the Lord, if they could not afford a lamb, they could bring two doves, or two pigeons. So they're heading into the temple and you can just see, get in touch with that childhood wonder. God is orchestrating something amazing. Check this out. We're gonna meet Simeon. Now there's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who is righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Consolation means restoration. Israel had been in captivity, not just by other oppressors in the nation, but by sin. They were just oppressed by themselves. They longed for a Messiah. And this is something we may not understand oppression of nations, but all of us understand the oppression of sin. 
in our own lives that creates damage, that creates havoc and chaos. Israel as a nation was subject to so much persecution that they longed for a Messiah. They longed for the restoration and for the consolation of Israel. And so here's Simeon who is righteous and devout. He's waiting for the restoration, for that consolation of Israel. And it says the Holy Spirit was on him. Get excited. God is on this man and he's about to move him very specifically to do something that he has in mind. Let's keep reading. It had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. Just watch this, right? Zoom out. Mary and Joseph are coming to the temple courts to, to bring Jesus to do what is required for them of the law on a very specific day at a very specific time. And God, through the Holy Spirit, working on Simeon, says, you need to go to the temple now. I get goosebumps just thinking about it. So Simeon comes into the temple and Mary and Joseph come into the temple courts at the same time. Now watch this, Luke 2, verse 27, it says this. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the, to the who? To the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. This is so important, so big, so, so much more important than so many of us might even realize by reading it. What Simeon says at the top he just grabs Jesus out of Mary's arms. Mom's in the room. I don't know what goes through your mind when you hear that, right? You're a child. You've been entrusted. He's the savior of the world. And a guy just snatches him out of your hands. I don't know if she screamed. I don't know. Joseph is like, I, I don't know what's going on. But Simeon grabs the child and goes, this is it. This is him. This is the savior, not just of Israel, but of the world. How amazing that at the first sighting of Jesus, that there was, there was already this group of people that were in the know that God had spoken to, that God had moved, that God said, I'm inviting you to be a part of the secret that's going on right now. Jesus is the savior of the world. And now he's in the temple courts and Simeon, knowing nothing, led only by the Holy Spirit, picks him up and says, this is the savior of Israel, of the Jews, and also of the Gentiles. This will be the savior of the world. God, you can dismiss me in peace. Wow. How incredible. And I love this, what he says here. This is Luke 2, starting in verse 33. It says, the child's father and mother, say it with me, marveled. Do you ever just marvel at God? You ever just zoom out just a little bit for a second and go, I can't believe 
that you orchestrated from the beginning of time, everything to the person of Jesus. Corey, our worship pastor, led us in a Devo this morning, just as like the worship team as we were prepping. And he said, in the devotion that he read this morning, it said there were 108 prophecies about Jesus in his life that led up to him. So prophecies that were written by people hundreds and hundreds of years earlier from different regions of the world who never connected with each other, never talked with, they just said, the Holy Spirit revealed something to them. And so they wrote it down and they said this, and some mathematician, somebody smart, decided to run some statistics and say, what would the statistics be? The statistical probability of eight, not of all 108, but of eight of these prophecies coming true with one person in Jesus. And he used the word quadrillion. I don't even know what that is. But can you think of how the chances and the orchestration that's required for all of history to point to one person and it be Jesus. Wow. It just makes you, it's just filled with wonder. How incredible. And so Mary and Joseph marveled at what was said about their son, Jesus. Does the presence of God ever make you marvel in wonder and worship. One of our biggest dangers, I think, as a culture today, something that, that is actually much more significant for us to deal with in our context today, that even the characters in scripture didn't have to deal with on our level is, well, I'll give you a hint, entertainment. Isn't it true that so many of us were just wired to be entertained? We love the feeling of surprise and joy and, and we love music, even like Star Wars. I watched Star Wars yesterday and I'm just like, whoa, it's so cool. People are so creative. Like, what if I had a lightsaber? You just start thinking, you're like, oh, this is so amazing. You think about like roller coasters and theme parks. You just go, oh, I just live for that. Or some of you go, I live to stay away from that. Think about movies, think about Marvel. Think, uh, Corey and I, and then uh, our wives last year went to see Home Alone. And we watched Home Alone at the Grand Rapids Symphony where they underscore it live. It was unbelievable. I just filled with like, oh, and wonder. It's like, oh, it's, I love this movie. In a culture where we're fed constant entertainment. Does it ever feel like it gets in the way in our worship of God? Does it ever like take something away? Can you imagine like talking to the shepherds in the field and trying to explain Netflix? Like you guys, there's gonna be, there's like, there's going to be a cloud and they're like, like a, like a cloud. Yeah. And there's going to be like movies in the cloud. They're going to look at you like, what's a movie? It's like, no, no, this is like this motion picture and there's characters and there's music and there's, and it's all up there and you can have whatever you want right then. And they'd just be like, what's a movie? I'm not tracking. In our world today, we have access to whatever we want at whatever time we want, and it can fulfill whatever we're looking for like that. 
It's not just in movies. It's other media, music, art, sex, relationships, thrills, explorations, adventures. There's so much surrounding us that we can have right now. And this entertainment piece can actually inhibit our relationship of worship with God. Because entertainment is about us and worship is about God. How difficult must it be for people in our generation to spend six and a half days a week where the world targets our minds, our entertainment, our allegiance, things that bring pleasure. And then on Sundays we come in and we have the same type of mentality, if we're honest, that so many of us are looking for something specific that fits our needs, that fits our style, that makes us happy, that aligns with what we want. And if we're not careful, worship that we intend to give to God actually does a U-turn and is about us. Because when everything else is about us, worship of God becomes very, very difficult. Like here's what's so significant is oftentimes that we seek to be entertained in life and we miss out on the wonder of God that may just be right in front of us. That we're so consumed with this that we miss this. That everything could be about Jesus. So I wrote this down. I think this is important. And if there's anything that you leave with today, just one thing, please leave with this. When we truly see God the way that he is, we will always be moved to worship him. Remember back to Mary. When Mary first experiences God and feels him in her womb, she responds in worship. She sings. When Zechariah and Elizabeth find out that they're pregnant, they're moved to worship. When the angels in the field are just singing, they're worshiping the savior of the world being born. When we can truly see God for who he is, we will always be moved to worship him. Check this out. This is in Revelation 7, starting at verse 9. This is written by John. And so John was an apostle of Jesus. And God revealed things to John through revelations, through like a dream, a vision, saying this is what heaven is like, and this is what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. And so he wrote these down. And, and just read this. After I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the lamb. Who's the lamb? It's Jesus. He's depicting the heavenly throne room. Here's Jesus seated in the front and everything is focused on and facing him and people are worshiping nonstop. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. 
All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. There's different creatures that exist who have one sole purpose and it is to worship and glorify God nonstop. Here's four creatures, four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Say it over and over and over and over. And then look at this. This is Revelation 4. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. It's a weird detail. Let me just say that. There's eyes in its armpits. And John's like, strange. I'm going to write that down and give him a visual. Here's these creatures who just have their hands up. And they're worshiping over and over and over. And they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come over and over and over and over and over. You know, it's so funny is uh, oftentimes like we say, welcome to our service, you know, or service starts at 11 a.m. Um, for many of you, it didn't start at 11 a.m. because you rolled in at like 11.15. So for those of us that are here earlier, when service starts at 11 a.m., you know what's so crazy? Worship didn't start at 11. Worship started eternity ago and has been going on ever since. And we merely join in at 11 o'clock or 11.15 or 11.30 or one o'clock. I mean, just think about this for a second, that all of creation worships. And when we step into a time of worship, whether it's during a service, whether it's in our car, whether it's in our quiet time, when, whether we're alone, we are actually joining in with creation as it worships God. It's kind of two different things of you know, like the way that God reveals himself. One is omnipresence. The other one's called manifest presence. Omnipresence speaks to this. God's around and he's everywhere and he's all the time. That you can look at space, you can look at science, you can look at, at brains or music and you just go, wow, God's, God's just attached to everything. Everything points to him. It's so amazing. It's so marvelous. It's so unbelievable. But, but manifest presence is when God is right in front of you that he's here, that even when he says, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also, I'm here. God is here in this space with us. I love what we say, Emmanuel. Emmanuel literally means God with us. And so God reveals himself to Mary and Zechariah and then the shepherds in the field and then Simeon and so many others. And every time that people realize they are in the presence of God, they respond with worship. Do we? I think some of the most significant experiences for me, just when it comes to worship, uh, happen on Saturday nights. I've told a lot of you this before. Uh, Brian and I will often come in on a Saturday night together before we're both preaching the next day, either here or at another church in our network. And what I do when I'm by myself is I just blare worship music. Just walk around every seat, just pray for you, 
Pray for what's going on in your life. Pray for God to lead you. Pray that this place would be a place of refuge and a place of protection for you. But then I go, all right, God, this is where it needs to start. If you can fix this, we'll be okay tomorrow. I tell you what, the the most intimate moments of worship for me happen when I'm by myself with God. There's no band, there's no lights, not even music needed. It's just me and God. And I start opening up his word and I start reading. He speaks. The more you study, the more you go, I've never seen that in my life. And it's exactly what I need to hear. When God speaks and God moves and God reveals himself, you guys, it is the most intimate moments in my relationship with God because I go, you're here. I can't help but worship. So I sing. I pray. Sometimes I cry. Because when you're in the manifest presence of God, you will always be moved to worship. I think this is so cool. You just look at the story. Mary and Joseph, led by the Holy Spirit, come to the temple. God orchestrates this beautiful intersection of heaven and earth. And he brings Simeon and he brings Mary and Joseph with the child of Jesus. And remember, they're poor. So there wasn't a lamb that was there. Or was there? That Mary and Joseph gave of what they had, but they felt poor. They felt empty. They were poor. They were empty. And what God says, this is what's so crazy and it just should make you go, wow, God, you are incredible. That God said there was a lamb that was brought to the temple that day. And it wasn't just for Mary and Joseph. And it wasn't just for the tribe of Israel. It was for the whole world. So many of us, Blake mentioned this earlier, that we carry around guilt and shame and pain, things that have been done to us, things that have wronged us, things that we've done and we've hurt other people, whatever it is. We bring these often to our place of worship. And we say, God, I'm poor, I'm empty. I don't have much to offer you. And here's what God says to you and says to the world. He says, I brought the sacrifice necessary that the purification right that you needed because of your sin, I've paid for through my son, Jesus on the cross. That should just make you go, what? It's amazing. The God of the universe loves you to the point of making the ultimate sacrifice. So here's how I want to close today. I just want to talk about a couple ways that we could replace entertainment, things that are about us and serve us and all about our preferences and what we want, how we can replace some of those with worship of our God to get us in his presence. Check this out. First one is this. Would you just get alone with him? It seems rudimentary, right? Like basic. 
But there's so many of us that just need to go, I need to carve out space where me and God can meet. Maybe that's just where you need to start. Just bring your Bible. Close your eyes and just pray and say, God, what do you have for me today? Here's number two. Some of you need to join a small group. I had a lot of my small group in first service and I couldn't hardly look at them when I'm preaching this because these are the most significant, some of the most significant and important people in my life who have the ability to speak into my life, who have the ability to point me to how God is working when I can't see it myself. They usher me into the presence of God and I need them. And some of you need a group of people to do that with. Here's another one. Just get in the word. There's a million different ways you can study. There's a million different ways you can learn. Open it up, start reading. Because what God will reveal to you in this book will change your life. A couple more. Access Right Now Media. Uh, this is a free resource that we have. If you want one, if you want access to it, email office at frontlinegr.com and just ask, we'll add it to you. It's free for you. We pay for it as a membership, but what it does, it's like Netflix, but like awesome stuff that points you to God. There's Bible studies, there's sermons, there's studies for kids, there's kids for whatever it is. It can replace what you fuel as entertainment for you and instead fill your soul. It's phenomenal. Change your playlist whether you're working out, whether you're in your car, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whatever it is. And here's the thing, these are just some of, there's so many more options. My encouragement to you is to put entertainment on the back burner so that you can experience who God is and worship him from the bottom of your heart. So we're gonna move into a time of worship together. And here's what I wanna just invite you to do. Um, would you just worship raise your hands. You can come up here. You can kneel. You can pray. You can do whatever it is. We are going to be ushered in again from Corey and the band here into the presence of God. And we're going to join in all of creation being, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We're going to join them in our worship. And so whatever you need to do, however you need to do that, my challenge to you is this, that you would do it. Father, we love you. We're grateful for you. We're grateful for your son. We're grateful for the many ways that you just show your love and kindness to us. Father, some of us in this room just feel poor. We just feel empty. We feel broken. We feel loss, hurt, and pain, especially on Thanksgiving, just missing loved ones who are no longer here. Father, other, others of us, we're just grateful for what you've given us, how you've blessed us with family or homes or food or whatever it is. Father, you, you've just been so gracious to so many of us. God, whatever we feel right now, whatever we bring to the table, I pray that we would lay it down at your feet, that you would reveal yourself to us in a way that changes us forever. Father, stir us in our deepest parts of our soul so we might serve you and worship you with everything we have because you alone are worthy of our worship. Father, we love you. And everybody praise this together in Jesus' name.